Welcome to Short Talks from the Hill, a research podcast of the University of Arkansas. My name is Matt McGowan. I'm a science writer here at the university. Today, we're talking to Jeff Gruenwald. Gruenwald is an associate professor in the Department of Sociology and Criminology and director of the Terrorism Research Center in the Fulbright College of Arts and Sciences. He has published more than 40 peer-reviewed articles on topics related to terrorism and other forms of extremist ideologically motivated violence. As center director, Gruenwald leads a team of students and faculty who conduct and facilitate research on terrorism, extremist violence, and the effectiveness of anti-terrorism policies and programs. Research at the center informs the work of those who seek to counter terrorism and other forms of extreme violence. To do their work, Gruenwald and other researchers at the center rely on several public open source databases. Gruenwald is a co-PI on one of these, the U.S. Extremist Crime Database, a collaboration between many universities. The Extremist Crime Database contains comprehensive information on multiple forms of violent extremism in the United States since 1990. Today, Jeff and I will be talking about what happened at the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, a complicated event that he has called a flashpoint in the development of far-right extremism in the United States. So many people who watch the news have seen images and video of the attack um, at the U.S. Capitol. Some of these people, uh, I'm sure, came as individuals, not necessarily affiliated with a group or organization, but I know that many members uh, or many people that showed up that day were affiliated with an organization. You've talked about this a little bit and, and actually made a presentation on it, but tell us briefly who these groups, who some of the main groups were. Yeah, the, the videos seem to be getting uh, uh, more and more disturbing as, as time goes on and, uh, and even more being released, you know, with the uh, second impeachment trial, uh, ones that we had not been privy to so the spotlight right now is is on on different a uh, couple different groups but you know we've been studying uh, groups uh, like this for a long time and, and people sociologists political scientists before me as well uh, so we know quite a bit about the ideologies um, uh, although they're always nuanced uh, but the ideologies and some of the factors that drive them, some of the members to commit violence. And of course, we, I just you know, like to remind people that there's uh, not all of them are committing violence and you know, even so-called violent groups, it's usually a handful who are resorting to violence. But I think the Proud Boys is becoming the most prominent extreme far group. Uh, you know, the one that is catching the headlines after the January 6th attacks. And these guys are they're ultra-nationalists, they're xenophobic, they're uh, authoritarianists, if that's a word, uh, they're, they're white supremacists. Do you think most Americans were surprised by what happened on January 6th? Uh, it's hard, you know, I don't want to speak for most Americans, but I will say maybe I wasn't surprised. You know, it makes sense, even in the moment, uh, but I was still shocked to see it play out uh, live on, on TV. But I think, you know, something to that scale at the Capitol was, again, still shocking. And I think others were shocked. And then as we just sat there watching, you know, the next thought is, okay, where are, where's the law enforcement? Where's the backup? 
Uh, why is it taking so long for the, the National Guard to be called in? I, I say I was surprised at that. Uh, I wasn't, uh, I wouldn't have called that one. Similar to after 9-11, analysts and experts have looked back and said that was, that was a failure of imagination. You talked about that a bit before, failure of imagination. What does that mean? You know, we had the threats. We had the intelligence. Uh, uh, they were pretty clear. You know, if you look at the 9-11 Commission report, you have page after page of uh, the intelligence from all around the country where we had all these dots um, that we failed to connect them. Uh, we failed to imagine how that they could all be connected into this uh, violent, dangerous move uh, on January 6th. And so you knew there was a lot of intelligence chatter about uh, these groups. Is that correct? Yeah, it, it was known. And I've talked about before, but, but discerning between, you know, insightful chatter is also not new. We've saw for the last several years that these groups are using the Internet more effectively to organize and show up at the same place and same time. But even despite all of that knowledge, um, those in, those in charge didn't think it would uh, actually come to fruition. I want to talk a little bit about um, conspiracy or misinformation, and um, especially um, in the context, I guess, of social media um, and the sort of relationship of all of that to far-right extremism. What do you think is the relationship between um, misinformation and goals of some of these groups? One of the most interesting parts of studying the, the far right, uh, but also the, uh, one of the most dangerous parts uh, of these groups and, and maybe what separates them. You know, this is why we call them uh, you know, extreme. Most people don't, aren't aware uh, of these uh, types of conspiracies. You know, when I talk about them, you know, if I'm teaching uh, a terrorism course or homeland security course or talk, speaking in public, uh, I can just tell by people's faces that this this is new to them. Well, maybe that's a good thing <laughs> that that it is uh, uh, new to them. But you know, we have old conspiracies with the far right that we've got the Zionist occupied government, this new world order um, that, that claims that that the government is being run by global elites and specifically uh, Jewish bankers. There's a lot of anti-Semitism. Uh, as, as you go back, and, and uh, certainly still the case in the extreme far right movement. But, you know, more recently, of course, we've got QAnon uh, as what's uh, catching the headlines. And uh, this one, I think a lot more members of the public uh, are aware of, but, uh, you know, but it is pretty extreme. They think that there's a, a cabal of cannibalistic, satanic child traffickers made up of, of Hollywood elites, democratic elites, and, and, and they believe some, some government insider named Q is communicating with them uh, over the internet. And so we're just starting to grasp the toll it's taking on, well, I've said the U.S., but it's also outside of the U.S., but just families in particular. I've been watching videos of, of kids kind of losing their parents to the, these conspiracies and just ripping families apart. Uh, but they're dangerous in addition to harming families and, and relationships. But they often maintain uh, these conspiracies that that people needed to defy government authorities, law enforcement in particular, that, that there's this imminent threat 
and there's a need to take up arms to protect, whether it's their race, uh, their way of life, and that it's up to them to root out and, and to uh, kind of overthrow this corrupted, tyrannical government. And I think, you know, we, we, we've got freedom to, to think uh, in this country, think of uh, how we want to think and to uh, uh, you know, freedom of speech. But one way I really think that these are dangerous is how they demonize others and they dehumanize, whether it's through anti-Semitic beliefs, uh, racism, xenophobia, but it puts a target. They, they kind of help narrow the target on certain social groups who are dehumanized. And that's a dangerous thing uh, when you have people who uh, become radicalized to the point of violence. And I think you mentioned social media, how that plays into it. And I think it's just a, obviously that social media helps to spread these conspiracy theories. I think social media allows for uh, these conspiracy theories to seem a little more palpable because you see all these other people who also believe them. You see a post has 2 million likes and it seems like, well, how can all of these people be wrong? And when you got p people in power, you know, political figures seemingly accepting them as true or, or not rejecting them outhand, um, that these conspiracy theories seem a little more legitimate. How could we prevent something like this from happening again? Are there policies or programs that might be implemented to reduce the risk of this type of violence, this type of event? You know, I'm, I'm a criminologist, so of course I'm going to think about what we can do uh, from a criminal justice perspective. But at the same time, obviously, uh, we need to think about how to prevent people from entering it, hopping on these pathways towards radicalization. You know, I, I think we should educate uh, ourselves and, uh, and our children about the threats of extremism, um, you know, the threats of misinformation, disinformation, conspiracies uh, that are, like we mentioned, are ever more present uh, online. And this has to start in, in our schools. Here in the local high school, we have great classes. We've got students taking criminology classes. Uh, sociology classes, you know, I think these are great opportunities to talk about uh, extremism um, and, and the dangers of it. I think we also have to be willing to, as a society, uh, and I think we're getting closer to this, uh, call politically motivated violence terrorism. And despite the color of the nationality of, of who's committing it and, and recognize it as a serious and enduring threat, it's not something that used to happen. It did used to happen, but it's still uh, an, an ever-present threat. And the Department of Homeland Security is, is recognizing this officially too. Jeff Groenwald, thank you for being here with us today on Short Talks from the Hill. Thanks for having me, Matt. Music for Short Talks from the Hill was written and performed by local musician, Ben Harris. For more information and additional podcasts, visit Arkansas Research. That's arkansasresearch.uark.edu, the home of science and research news at the University of Arkansas.